Let's pray one more time and invite the Lord um, to speak to us. This is uh, Church Part 11, and the title this morning is A Place of Renewal, A Place of Renewal. My prayer is that this would be a place of renewal where we can grow and change and help others in that process together. So let's invite the Lord to be our guide in this this morning. So Jesus, we thank you that, that you are a God who redeems. Jesus, we thank you that you bring new life and salvation. You bring resurrection into our lives. God, we thank you for the process of renewal that you are working in this world and that you want to work in our lives individually and collectively as a church. And so Jesus, would you, would you show us your heart on this? And would you equip us to walk this out? We need your help. We need your guidance. We need your strength. And we believe you, that you are faithful to do just that. And so Holy Spirit, would you come and make this word come alive in our hearts today? Help us to understand it and help us to apply it in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So one of the things that is just always very present to me this time of year, in in the midst of, of all the holiday season, like Christmas movies are on like at a loop at our house. I'm usually really discouraged when I sit down after dinner and go, hey guys, let's watch a Christmas movie we haven't seen this year. And the kids are like, I've seen that five times already. You know, it's just kind of on loop. But what's, what's interesting to me is there's, there's an underlying theme that comes up a lot in these movies, and it's the idea of recapturing something that's been lost. Usually it's that the kids are still in tune with some special thing, whether it's Santa Claus or something else, um, some special thing. And then they're trying to remind all of us old adults of this, this joy, right? This lost childhood, maybe a sense of belief, um, maybe a sense of love or connectedness, you know, bringing, bringing something of importance to life. And as cheesy as all those movies might be, they, they tap into something that is a true longing that we all have. There is this sense among all of us that there's some mysterious thing that we've lost that we got to try to get back. You know, I even can get caught up in, in the Christmas time. I'm, part of what I'm doing is I'm trying to recapture something I really enjoyed as a child, like an environment that my parents created at our house. And, and probably my memories aren't even 100% accurate. Like in my mind, it was just all wonderful the whole time. And in reality, you know, we were probably like fighting over stuff and complaining about things. And like, I'm sure it was not quite as glorious as I remember. But we all have this longing to recapture something that has been lost. Friends, this this is the very heart of the gospel, this sense of of renewal, restoring something that has been lost, that has been stolen. It's what the fall is all about, and it's why Jesus came. And so I want to talk to you guys about renewal this morning, and and some of this, um, it it may be very foundational, it may be a reminder, but it's important that we have that stuff settled. Because what the Lord is building is built upon a firm foundation. And so we're going to look at renewal in three ways this morning. First of all, it's Jesus' very purpose. All right? It's his very purpose. Secondly, it's Jesus' specific purpose in your life and in my life. And then the third thing, and what I, what I really want us to grab hold of as a church community is that it is, it is Jesus' purpose for his church that we be a place of renewal. So let's jump into this. 
Um, Number one, renewal is Jesus' very purpose. You know, at his birth, like there's this explosion of celebration. People are being visited by angels. They're having dreams. Shepherds are minding their own business in a field, right? And then all of a sudden there's a single angel and then a heavenly host declaring good news. And so they come and see and they worship. You know, Jesus' parents go through the, the normal ritual of bringing their child to the temple. And so at just a few days old, Jesus is brought to the temple to be committed uh, to the Lord. And while he's there, there are people who've been waiting for the arrival of a savior. And God makes it clear to him, clear to them, Simeon and to Anna, this is the one you've been waiting for. And they celebrate. So there's a lot of joy. But guys, right in the midst of the joy around the life of Jesus entering this world, already the the truth of why he was here was being pointed to. For example, Simeon, that celebrates him in the temple, he says some of these words. You can read the whole story in Luke 2, 25 through 38, but he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. And then he says, and this child will be a sign that is opposed. And then he looks at Mary and says, and a sword will pierce your very soul. In the midst of the joy of new birth, there's a reminder that he came to die. He came to die. Fast forward, you know, a year, year and a half, two years, somewhere in that range, the Magi show up, the wise men show up after a long journey. And when they finally find themselves before Jesus, the Savior who was born King of the Jews, Matthew 2.11 records, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh, right? We're familiar with that story. You might even know the song, right? We Three Kings. Isn't it wild that these guys are bringing gifts to a child that's been born and one of the gifts is for when you die? How many of you guys have have given a gift to a mom with a newborn and go, hey, you know, I just, I bought this coffin for your child. I just thought it would be good to be prepared. And that would be a really sweet, wonderful thing I could do. Anybody ever done that before? No, <laughs> no. Yet they brought myrrh. They, something they knew to bring myrrh. Jesus' purpose. Like, guys, I, I know, like you're sitting here going, Jake, I know this. You know, maybe I grew up hearing about this, or maybe later in life as an adult, I, I came to, to know and believe in Jesus, but we've got to remember, like, this is the entire purpose of why he came. He came to die. It was known. And so we move now to the end of his life, and we see myrrh show back up. After the crucifixion of Jesus, on the night that he died, people get together, and and Nicodemus is a part of this, the same Nicodemus who had come to him, and Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born again. Nicodemus shows up in John 19, verses 39 and 40. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom for the Jews. And so the child that had been born to die has died. He's died. This didn't surprise him. This didn't surprise God. It fulfilled a purpose that Jesus understood. And listen, he communicated it over and over and over again. We have an example in Mark 9, verse 31. 
For Jesus was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days, he will rise. Jesus understood this about himself. Friends, our entire life is rooted in someone else's death. We should never lose sight of that. The life that we have, the renewal that Jesus came to bring was rooted in his death and it was with purpose, eternal purpose, eternal consequences that he did that. And this is what the entire church was built upon. We talked last Sunday about how we're called to carry Jesus to a world in need, and that's difficult and challenging at times. It costs us something. This is the entire purpose of the church. The church came simply witnessing to this reality. The very first sermon that was preached, Peter preached in Acts chapter two. It's just a few verses before what we've been studying together. He said these words, Acts chapter two, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. He's saying, you saw this. You saw this Jesus. You saw the works that he came and did in your midst. As you yourselves know, verse 23, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. The definite plan, the ultimate plan. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Verse 24, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. I love that verse. It was not possible for him to be held by it. Our life is rooted in the death of Jesus, but it's rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. Both things were of equal consequence and necessary. He came to die and he came to be raised. Friends, the very process he went through is how he works renewal. Renewal happens through death into new life. It's what he told Nicodemus who shows up with the myrrh. You must be born again. Resurrection life is a part of this. Friends, the significance of moments like Christmas where we reflect on this or Easter, these significant moments in time, they're meant for us to gather and to encounter that Christ. That's what we're gonna do on the 22nd. It's not just for us to rehearse information. Friends, the reason I'm starting here this morning is not just to remind us of a truth we know, it's to encourage us once again to encounter the Christ who has come. This Jesus came with this purpose. He was born into a world of difficulty. He touched people's lives while he was here. He laid down his life sacrificially to die for me and you. Like he walked the road that we walk. He died like we will die. He died for us. But friends, the grave could not hold him. And so his very purpose is renewal. And so even at a funeral, Jesus uses that difficult circumstance as an opportunity to declare this reality. 
It's at a funeral that he says loudly, I am the resurrection and the life. Think about that. He's talking to a woman, Martha, who's just lost her brother. And this isn't someone Jesus didn't know. This is a close friend of his who has died. And Jesus is using this opportunity to say, this is who I am and what I do. That means as hard as life might be, as difficult as it might be, in its hardest moments, we are meant to hear and experience the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He wants to bring renewal. He went through that process. He has a new transformed body that that now lives eternally. This is our reality in Jesus. And so friends, this leads us to something really important that we've got to be anchored in. Jesus' purpose coming to bring renewal is the purpose he has for me and for you. This is something specific he does in our lives. See, Jesus goes on in John chapter 11. He doesn't just state this fact, I am the resurrection and the life. He makes it real and available to us. Check this out. John 11, continuing on, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, this is Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. It's the promise of renewal. Though he die, yet shall he live. I'm the resurrection, the life, and I want to give that away. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I want you to remember that and put a pin in it. We're going to talk about that a little more in just a second. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Friends, he calls us to make a decision about who he is in the eternal life that he offers. This is what Peter is preaching about in Acts. He's declaring who Jesus is, and then he calls people to act. Over and over and over again, we see through the book of Acts, and we've seen it throughout history, people tell the story of who Jesus is. This is who he is. This is what he's done. And it brings us to a place of decision. Will I take his purpose of renewal and receive it into my life? We're brought to a place of decision. An example of this is in Acts chapter three, verses 19 and 20. Peter just says as directly as he can, repent therefore and turn back. That means change course, that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Do you hear the language of renewal? There's something that's got to change. Like that old sin stuff, it's got to die. It's got to go. Turn away from that to something new and receive renewal. Times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord that he may send the Christ appointed for you. You. Jesus. Friends, it is his purpose, but it is his purpose for each of us. Well, Jake, that's great. I mean, you know, isn't this more of like, you know, an Easter message, right? Once a year, kind of preach the gospel message. Friends, we are meant to live out of this reality. We're we're meant to reach this place of decision, yes, 
where I hear who Jesus is and I receive that for myself, absolutely I'm supposed to come to that place of decision. But friends, we're supposed to live there. This is supposed to be a reality that is working in us. I asked you to put a pin in something and remember it. Like Jesus looks at Martha and he says, hey, if, if you believe in me, there's resurrection on the other side of death. And it's like, okay, we're believing for that. But he goes on to say these crazy words where he says, if you live and believe in me, you'll never really die. But like, is that true? Like in the most literal sense, no. <laughs> no, people die. People die. But what he's saying is the life that I offer is an eternal kind of life. And once you enter that, it never really stops. It never really stops. And so friends, the death and resurrection of Jesus is an invitation into a life like that. I wanna encourage you to to hear these words and recognize this. This is something we walk in. I, I, I love just the simplicity of this. See, Jesus goes from declaring this reality to Martha and then inviting her to decide if she believes it. And then he intervenes directly into that situation and brings resurrection. What happens? Or sorry, John eleven forty three, And when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out or come forth depending upon your translation. He brings resurrection life right there into those circumstances, into that situation. This is what he does. This is the reality of what he brings. And friends, that's his invitation to us. Will I come out? Will I come forth? Will I step into the new life? Friends, saying yes to Jesus is a moment in time And it is a lifestyle that we continue to walk out. It's a lifestyle. See, somewhere along the way in church, our our theology can get jumbled up and and then we can can do these really polar swings where we we go way over here, way over here. And so we wrestle with this idea of salvation that Jesus wants to work in our lives. And rightly so, we make sure that we understand it depends entirely upon him. It depends entirely upon him. His death, his burial, his resurrection. Even the faith that I place in him, the scripture teaches me, is a gift from him. So even the ability to trust him is like a miraculous gift God gives me. So it's, it's rooted in him. And the cross was enough. It's a finished work. That is true. That's a reality. It is also equally true that the scripture calls us to do things like walk out our salvation with fear and trembling that we're a part of a process of sanctification where God is changing us. We're told to pick up our cross and follow him as if it's a daily act. And so the church wrestles with those things. And then, and then a lot of times what we do is we take all of that and we just sort of like set it down because we're not sure what to do with it because it sounds like now I'm earning my salvation that was given freely. No, friends, we are called to cooperate with the renewal process. My life is a process of death and resurrection. 
If Amy was here this morning, I could probably ask her for a really specific example right now that she would point to and say, hey, I'm still waiting for that thing to die. (laughs) She's too kind to say that, but I guarantee you she's aware. (laughs) There, There is stuff in me that still needs to die. And that process is difficult and it's painful, but it is necessary and it brings new life. This is what Paul is talking about in Romans. I would encourage you, camp out in Romans chapter six and man, you can continue on through his letter. I mean, it's rich in this content, but just a glimpse of it here in Romans six, uh, starting verses four and five. He writes and says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Listen, I love hearing the newness of life part. Yeah, man, I wanna walk in that. Cool, we were buried with him in baptism. Am I willing to die that I might live? That's the offer of renewal, death and new life. He goes on. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We're gonna die anyways. And the message of the gospel is, apart from him, we already are dead. The life we're living in the flesh, our struggle with sin, that that is a life of death that rips us off and destroys. And so the offer to die is good news because I can die to something that's already killing me that I might step into the new life that Jesus offers. And so friends, it's so important that yes, I grasp that at, at some point in my life where I step into that new life in Christ. But friends, it's also important that we don't somehow move on to other things and forget that Jesus is inviting me into a regular process of renewal. Verse 11 now, same chapter, Romans 6, 11. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Let no sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. He's talking to people that have already accepted this reality and stepped into this new life. And he's saying, hey, you've received this. Jesus has this for you. Now be aware that you don't get stuck in this old trap. He expounds on this more in Colossians chapter three. Let's take a look there. We're gonna kind of spend the rest of our time kind of right here this morning. Colossians chapter three, verses one through five. This is an invitation to live daily in the reality of this new life. Colossians 3, beginning in verse one says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death. I feel like I need to do the cheesy pastor thing here for a minute. Can y'all say put to death? Put to death, death, therefore, what is earthly in you. 
He says, you've already experienced the death of Christ. You've already experienced new life in him. In fact, your life is now hidden with him in heaven. You are tethered to eternity. So seek it out. Set your mind upon it. And put to death the things in you that are ripping you off. Put them to death. What are they? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, coveting, which is idolatry. Like he, he calls out the things that, that rip off and destroy. Jesus is inviting you and he's inviting me into this regular process of renewal where I become more and more aware of ways that death is still trying to hold on to me, where it's still trying to get its claws in. He intends for me to experience all the freedom that he has to offer. I, I love even the visual picture of like, my life is hidden with Christ in God and I'm told to seek the things that are above. There is a renewed, restored version of me that Jesus has. And he says, hey, to find you, to find the you that you're meant to be, you're only gonna find that if you find me. Seek me, put your mind on me. Spend time with the one who renews and watch how he renews me and you. I'm finding myself in him by exploring him, discovering him, enjoying the life that he offers. Friends, this is both good news and difficult. Like many of us, we're, we're already committed to this process, right? Like we're walking it out. Is that easy? No. Dying is not easy. It's especially not easy if it's voluntary. No thanks. <laughs> I'd rather not do that. But it's beneficial. Friends, the way of Jesus is hard. Death, daily picking up the cross, that's difficult. But the way of Jesus is also good because it's daily renewal as we die to what kills us, we enjoy the new life that we find in him. Now, I've, I've taken all of this time to build up to the main thing that I wanna encourage us to do. Because if I understand who Jesus is and I'm inviting the process of renewal to take place in my life where I am being shaped and molded and changed, because of those two things, we can now participate and what God has called us to be as a church. Because the reason this fits within this series of who we're called to be as a church is we are meant to be a people and we are meant to create a place where renewal happens. And so the main point of this morning's message is point number three. The church's purpose is to be a place of renewal. I, I find this so fascinating. Watch what Jesus does when Lazarus is raised from the dead. Watch this. John 11, verses 43 and 44. I gotta read the New King James on this one. Just it, the wording's perfect. I usually am an ESV guy, but New King James here. Here we go. Now, when Jesus had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. 
Do you see what Jesus is doing here? He brings the thing that only he can bring. Like he's the only one that's calling forth the dead into new life. We're not called to do that. We can't do that. Jesus makes dead things come alive again. But he invites the people that are with him to participate in the process. He said to the people that were there with him, you loose him and let him go. Lazarus is raised. He's bound. He's in his old grave clothes. His hands are bound. His legs are bound. He's even blind. Do you see that? The cloth is wrapped around his face. Like he just can't see. He needs help to get where he's going. Friends, I, I think people still crave for the life that Jesus offers. Our world is hungry for new life in Jesus. We're hungry for hope. We want to see our world renewed. Like our country is raging right now because it wants to see renewal. It just has no idea how to get there. And what we're for sure not doing is helping each other get there. We're putting up obstacles left and right. Friends, it is the unique place of the church to be a place where dead people who are looking for life feel like they can come and be helped. I fear that there are people who are ready to have some resurrection life in Jesus and they look at the church and go, man, I don't know that anybody's gonna help me there. They seem just as wrapped up in grave clothes and blind as I am. They sure don't look like they've been renewed. And then the ones who maybe look like they've been renewed, they just seem like a bunch of jerks who just want to point out how dead I am. The church is meant to be a place. Think about this. When you're, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, like I, I turn into a big baby when I get hurt. I do, man. I, I talk about reverting to childhood. Like I'm, I'm there quick. Like I'm a big baby. And like, if there's like a wound that has to be like unwrapped and like cleaned up and rewrapped, I'm like, I'm not very trusting <laughs> of letting someone else do that, touch that. Like it's risky to let somebody come along and help you. But the church is meant to be a place that participates in the renewal process. We're meant to be a safe place where people know I can go there and I'll get some help. They're not grossed out by death. Jesus had just been told a few verses prior when he said, roll back the stone. They literally said, Lord, he stinks. If we wanna be a place of renewal, we better be ready for some smelly people to show up. And the way I get there is I remember how much I stink. See, that's part of our problem. We think our stuff don't stink. We've gotten used to it. Everybody else ain't super used to it. They're kind of hoping you wake up and smell that change needs to come. See, this is why this is all connected. If I realize that Jesus wants to uniquely come and bring renewal in my life, that he'll take me as I am, that 20 years with him, the places I'm still stuck and struggling, he's not annoyed by that. He's just graciously waiting for me to yield that to him. But see, when I've allowed myself to go through the process of renewal, when I've dared to risk opening up my life to some other people and let them in, 
and they've graciously loved me through the renewal process, then I become prepared to help other people do that. When I realize how difficult it is, it gives me some patience for some other people that are struggling. When I realize how scary it was to open up my life to some other people, then I can have some gentleness when I'm asking somebody else, would they be willing to open themselves up? See, as we go through the process of renewal, we become the kind of people who can help others along the way. This is what Paul goes on to describe in Colossians chapter three. We already read verses one through five. Now I want you to see some of the language he uses here. Verse eight. But now you must put them all away. Put them all away. What's he talking about? This list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Think about how much all of that has to do with how we treat each other. I get angry with people. I get annoyed with people. I saw some of their stink and now I'm talking bad about them. Put that all away. Do not lie to one another. Speak truthful words to each other. Renewal only happens when truth is spoken. We have to acknowledge that something's dead before we can talk about how to experience new life. Speak truth to each other. Seeing that you have put off the old self. I mean, he's using the language of changing clothes. Put this away. Put off the old self with its practices and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. All of the things that divide us in Jesus were the same. We all need the same thing. We've all got some old grave clothes that need to be put off. We've all got a new life in him that needs to be put on. And so we're on equal footing with one another. Nobody better than the other. We all need, need this process. And so we go through it. We take off, we put on. So then how do we do that? I love this. He's literally giving us guys a practical guide for how to be a place of renewal. There's some things we need to put aside. Watch how you talk to each other. Watch how you talk about each other. Speak truth to each other. Help each other take off the old grave clothes and put on the renewal of Christ. Verse 15, sorry, verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. You want to be a place of renewal? You got to have compassion for each other. We got to see each other. Like, I'm so aware of how much grace I need and then I get so impatient with other people when they need grace. Have compassion, kindness, humility. When I've realized I've walked similar roads, I can have some humility with others. Meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. He's honest, man, it's gonna be hard. If you're gonna be a place where renewal happens, it's gonna require some patience. It's gonna require some humility. And you know what? You're gonna get hurt along the way. Just as an aside, you know why that happens? Because hurt people hurt people. You touch somebody's wound, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna get smacked. That hurt. Ow. 
the process of being a part of the healing process of what God wants to do means we're going to hurt each other sometimes. So let's be ready to forgive. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put it on. It holds everything else together. You know how we take off the grave clothes and put on the newness of Christ? We put on his love. We put on his love and we freely give it to each other. What if when we read verses like this, we didn't just go, oh, those were some cool words there. Glad I got to hear that in today's sermon. Or, hey, that was a nice little verse to read in my morning reading. Now I'm going about my day. What if we viewed this kind of language as my instruction manual? What if this kind of terminology was like the very stuff of new life? Jesus, you're describing, Paul, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, you're describing the very things I can begin to take off. Well, gosh, Lord, I'm reading this and like anger just keeps popping up. I've tried taking that off and I can't. Cool, but I also want other people to come and help loose you and and help you let go and step into freedom. So why don't you invite some other people into that process? Why don't you have some humility and ask them to come alongside of you as you learn to take off anger? And what if you allow me to begin to bring new life? And so I'll replace anger with patience, with kindness. See, if this was like a manual to say, Lord, help me walk in newness of life. Help us walk this out together. Lord, how do you want me to assist in loosing people and letting them go? See, loosing, that's, that's the language of removal. Letting go is the language of freedom. We're taking off that which binds. We're putting on that which sets us free to really live, to really walk in newness of life. My, my guess is there's very little new that you've heard this morning. But the question before us, church, is are we gonna be this kind of place? This is who I wanna be in my life. This, this is what I hope and dream about when I think about our church, when I think about who we are right now, where we're headed into the future. Like, I want this to be the kind of place where people go, man, I can go there just like I am. And there's people who are gonna love me and care for me and take care of me. I'm gonna meet the Jesus there that brings resurrection life. And I'm gonna meet people there who are loving and patient with me along the way. That's a place where I can get healing. Are we becoming that? I fear for for many of us, not, and I'm not just picking at like you guys specifically. I'm just saying the church culture that we are in, so much of it is so me focused. And it's even like the right stuff, but the focus is in the wrong place. It stops at me. Has Jesus touched my life? Has he removed my guilt? Is he helping me live a better life? Cool, then I'm good. It's like, no, Jesus wants us to be a people that he can look at us and say, hey, Jurger, you see this guy over here? I'm about to touch his life. Will you loose him and let him go? Can we even hear him saying that to us? 
Am I aware enough of the people around me that I can hear Jesus saying, Jake, step into this situation and be a part of helping to release that person? Who he is and what he has for me, he now wants me to participate in helping others. And he does all the miraculous stuff because I don't have that much to offer. (laughs) He does all the miraculous stuff. What can I do? I can unwrap this, I guess. I can hold my nose and be okay with the sting. (laughs) I can do that. We can do that for each other. Do y'all want that? Like I do. I want to be that kind of person. I want this to be that kind of place. Let's purpose to, to live this out. Let's purpose to have that mindset that recognizes him as the resurrection and the life and sees our role in helping to take off old grave clothes. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. God, more, more than anything, always, we want to stop and be people who worship you. You are good. You bring new life. It costs you something to bring resurrection life. And Jesus, we thank you that you have paid that price. Thank you that you have died and you've risen again. Thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. God, I'm grateful for the work you've done in my life to save me and set me free. God, I'm grateful for the fact that you are a God of love, that you are still patient with me, that you are kind towards me, that you hang in there with me as I continue to struggle with dying and being renewed. God, my prayer for my life this morning and and for my friends' lives this morning is, God, more and more, we would be the kind of people who are not only having our lives renewed by you, but Jesus, we are partnering with you that as you touch lives around us, we are a safe place where renewal can happen. May we experience the joy of seeing people coming out of their grave clothes and walking in new life. We want that. We say yes to that. Jesus, help us to grow into that more and more. It's in your name we pray, amen.